This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. is Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast, uh, proudly sponsored by the Sky Blue Tavern and Dylan's Brewery. This week, the first episode since the season kicked off, uh, you're joined by me, Ross Cooper, and I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Trutwin. How are you, Matt? Very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. And hopefully we may be joined uh, by uh, Ross Spence as well, but he's having some technical difficulties. I just think he's still nursing a hangover after (laughs) the victory against Middlesbrough personally. He did say he had a a house party to go to, so that's what I think it actually is. But uh, thank you as always to all the listeners for joining in. Um, And in this episode, we're going to cover, obviously, the last week. There's been a lot to talk about from the start of the season to transfer uh, news um, and then of course the Middlesbrough game that happened on the weekend just gone as well and I guess Matt what's your overriding sort of feeling from the last sort of seven days you know from from the Leicester game up until Middlesbrough it's a bit of a interesting week vibe wise it felt like you know from all the excitement and all the money that we've spent and reinvested from the Okra sale couple of defeats a depart big departure and suddenly it's it's interesting how things can sort of you know switch the other way again vibe wise what how was your how did you feel as the week progressed yeah i mean i think personally i was just trying to fight that natural urge that seemed to take over or take hold of a lot of cov fans with um you know with the fact that we'd obviously suffered a couple of defeats and you know and then you get to the end of the week and obviously the news that none of us wanted to hear with hamer moving on and I understand it. I understand that natural urge that people have. You know, you lose a couple of games to start the season and you lose one of your best players. Of course, it's 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 a struggle. But um, no, I th- I was fairly balanced, to be honest with you. Obviously, Leicester, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into to some extent, but we uh, we certainly held our own there, which is we've got to keep in mind 
you know, that's a, a team that's come down from the Premier League and spent a lot of money. So really, we did more than well enough in that game. AFC Wimbledon obviously is disappointing, but it's a disappointment that we should be used to now. Um, with Robbins, it's it, it's a terrible record. And, you know, look, he's not trying to lose that um, that game and, and he certainly doesn't want us to go out in the first round. But I do think from a priority point of view, you have to put it into, into context. It's not our priority this season. Certainly, you have a lot of uh, fans who were talking about a charge back to, to Wembley or, or what we might do in the league. So the EFL Cup really isn't our priority. And it's a game that on any other day, we do win three or four nil. And unfortunately, we, we've lost. So it's frustrating, of course. And, and it's a long time then to the weekend. And obviously to have that time filled with the Heyman news isn't great. But um, but yeah, fairly balanced. And, and obviously we've finished off in the right way. And now everybody can look forward to what will be, I'm sure, a great season and, and an exciting couple of weeks with signings as well. Exactly. Yeah, a week is a long time in football and it's it's mad uh, how emotions can change from one Sunday after the Leicester game to to the next. Um, you, know, you mentioned the Leicester game. We'll touch on that um, because this is the first podcast since the season started. So we've not been able to go over that. Um, we weren't in too much detail, but as you quite rightly said, Matt, you know, a team who are Bucky's favourites to win the league, Sold a couple of high-profile players, but have spent you know cl- close to forty million pounds, which in the championship is you know astronomical, and still have the basis of a, a squad there of Premier League names. You know Premier League players like Ndidi, who only a couple of years ago was being touted as the next Kante. You know, and so there's a lot of quality there still, and you know, as I'm sure you're the same. You know, being from sort of Leicester and having a lot of friends and family who are Leicester season to go holders, my memories of going to the King Power or the Walkers before always ended in just misery, you know, like terrible performances and we'd we'd go down with a whimper. But it felt like this was the best away performance I'd seen a, a Coventry side put in at Leicester in, in such a long time. And there was there's a lot of positives to take from from the game and the performance, wasn't there? Yeah, I think one of the things that stood out, you know, obviously a lot of attention around it because they were a team coming down from the Premier League and it's on Sky. A lot of the talk that you hear is about how strong they are for this division and and, and before the game, you know, in the build-up, you're kind of thinking, oh, this obviously is, is going to be a tricky game. One of the best compliments I think I could pay to the team is you, you kind of forgot a lot about how strong they supposedly are or, or how much firepower they have in terms of kind of their full squad and on the bench and everything. Watching the game, you didn't really feel um that this is a side that's you know got all these star power or, or all this star power across their their starting 11 and on the bench and i think we heard about 100 million pounds worth of talent or whatever on the bench but watching the game it certainly didn't feel like there was anything really that major to to split the two sides and it's a testament to what we've obviously done in the summer but over the last few years as well we are at that point now so i think when you put it in context you take out the, the defeat out of the conversation which obviously we can't do fully because it's 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 you know what affects the league table at the end of the day but in terms of how the squad looks how the team looks um watching that game it was overwhelmingly a, a positive experience yeah ex- exactly and you know obviously Jamie Vardy leading the line who's obviously scored a hell of a lot of goals we you know, we dealt with him him extremely well and made him look very very sort of average what do you think he'll do this season because I, I know i mean i don't know if he's still favorite to be top goal scorer but i know he was and it's the big name element to it but yeah that's such a lazy uh yeah lazy thing to sort of say i i think and speaking to people you know friends who who, who go there um 
they do think he's he, he's past it. Um, and, yeah. and I've always thought for quite a few years, even when they were doing well in the Prem, I thought the moment he loses that yard of pace, his actual game technically, I don't think is that good. And, you know, Fad's, Fad's dealt with him. I mean, there was obviously for both sides, had several, you know, debutants. Um, obviously, our back line was pretty fresh um, with Latibodier and Bobby Thomas either side of, you know, come up Fadzine. And, and I think both of them, really stood out didn't they i mean bobby thomas yeah. for me was you know just you know a tank at the back but also showed he can do some nice marauding runs bring the ball out of play and exciting signing you know, he wasn't necessarily the center back you know six weeks ago that fans thought or even hoped that we'd get from burnley but we brought him in for a couple of million four-year deal and he already from this game alone looked like a big big asset didn't he yeah, absolutely. He he really did stand out from from the off. Really, he's just got he's just got a great feel about him. To be honest yeah. with you, you know, he looks like that. I want to say old fashioned centre half, but he just looks solid. He looks like the kind of player you you depend on. And if you're a, a teammate looking around at players and or looking behind you at the next level of defence, you know, he's somebody that you'd feel confident is 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 obviously going to be difficult to to get past and. Um, and he's shown that in his play. And certainly, we're looking at the Leicester game here. He looked really strong and confident. Didn't look overawed by big name opposition, which for him, you know, realistically at this stage of his career, that's probably the strongest level of opposition that he's played against. But he looked more than ready to to mix it with those players, and he looked more than capable of doing it as well. I mean, you're playing a side who you're probably, you know, are probably going to win the league or get automatic promotion just because yeah. their squad depth and. So you're not really going to have many harder, harder sort of challenges. And he, for a, for a player who's playing in League One last year, more than looked up to the level of the championship and and, and slotted into that hole left by sort of McNally um, more than more than well. And I, and I think he's, uh, <laughs> I think it was testament that when he was told that he was injured and couldn't play against Wimbledon, that everyone was a bit like, oh gutted you know because he'd made such yeah. a good impression from that first performance the other obviously key talking point from that that game I felt in the in the lineup was obviously Ben Wilson getting given the nod there'd been a lot of discussion obviously on our Skybiz extra preview pod myself Wardy and Dino we discussed it at length it had been a big topic on Twitter and on the forums because Wilson had had a little injury missed a couple of friendlies Collins had been brought in for money and it was one of those and for me, it felt like the right the right call, you know, the Golden Glove winner getting the start. Um, did, were you surprised? Is it what you expected, Matt, in terms of the decision Robbins made? Yeah, my my thought process was always that he, the number one position was was his to lose, yeah. um, even though we're bringing a goalkeeper in for money, you know, as we, is evident now, you know, as bringing people in for money is, is not the shock that it would have been in the past. But I guess, yeah, when we brought Brad Collins in, it was still relatively one of the, early signings for us so I get it I understand people probably thinking if we sign a player for money that generally means for us you're you're going to feature very heavily um so I understand that but yeah I mean I'm in agreement with you you win the the golden glove from last season you deserve the right to to start this season in goal to, to be completely honest and um yeah I think anything outside of an injury you know as long as he wasn't affected by the injury obviously that he'd had in pre-season then I, I think it's still his to lose really and he played well, didn't he? He made a good save, yeah. you know, from uh, McAteer uh, at the end of the first half and, and and looked really commanding. Nothing he could do about either goal. And uh, yeah. yeah, and obviously, as, as we touched on, unfortunately, fell to uh, yeah, fell to a defeat. And in that game, probably the key moment, there's two 
either side of you know attacking and defending. Attacking wise, we we created the best chance of the game. Didn't put them away, did we? Um, sort of some poor finishing, some a bit of bad luck as well. And then at the other end, making a couple of substitutes and and then you know Dewsbury Hall showing that actually you know if you give any team you know a chance, especially somebody who is a Premier League quality player, that they're gonna you're gonna get punished. Yeah, uh, that that is always the the concern. Obviously, it's great for us to show that we can go toe to toe with a side that's got so much quality in their in their squad. But you still, unless you put the game away. You know, this is the cliche, and we've all we've all said it, we've all heard it over the last seven days since the game. But you know, unless you put the game away in that situation, then you're always struggling. Um, and yeah, it two two really good goals. Unfortunately, in terms of how he's taking them, you know, it is a really good header, to be fair to him. Um, and as you say, Wilson's got no chance with that. The finish finish for the winner as well. It's it's pinpoint accuracy into the top corner. Just one of those things you have to hold your, your hands up to and say, you know. If we if we do what we should have done earlier in the game, then then to obviously do what we know that they've got the quality to do, unfortunately. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, that meant we left the King Power um, empty-handed. Um, but certainly, I think the mood amongst you know the Sky Blue Army was generally very very positive. A lot of hope and a lot of like, as I say, I had friends and family message me saying that they rode their luck and you know if they'd been playing a Premier League side. Um, you know, they would have been three or four nil down. Absolutely no, no questions asked. So I guess bittersweet, but there was, because um, you never want to lose those games, but uh, it was a really good performance. And then we, we we go into Wednesday night against Wimbledon, as you as you quite rightly, you know, said the, uh, at, the, at the top of the, of the podcast, you know, the League Cup is not something we have a particularly good relationship with. I think ever since we beat Man United, I just don't think we, I can't have any good memories of any any games but we like traveled down no we tra- traveled down to league two afc wimbledon and i actually was pretty uh, excited for the game because we had a lot of new players who were on the bench against leicester because they'd signed only in the week leading up to and in the case of had you right had literally been signed and hadn't even trained uh you know he'd literally signed on the friday so i thought it was a good opportunity for for the likes of uh van avak and um yeah, had you right to play, and he did make some changes, but it was a pretty strong team against Wimbledon. And you know, I think it was nice because in years gone by, Robbins has made a load of changes, and it literally has just been kids jumping everywhere you've looked. And it's just it showed already, even with more business still to come. At that point on Wednesday, actually, he can make eight changes to the team, and it still had several, probably close to ten million pounds worth of players on on, on the pitch. You know, in in. So it was, uh, you know, and we got off to, you know, a, a good start. Matty Godden, you know, uh, had you right winning a penalty, Matty Godden dispatching it. And we talked about this off air, Matt, but he, he, he did a celebration, a message to the uh, the Cov Twitter faithful, do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, you know, Matty is somebody who pays attention to what's being said. And usually that's always, you know, very overwhelmingly been a positive thing and has a great relationship with the fans. Um and obviously, I just think the timing, as, as we said um, before we started, you know, the timing of the contract with people maybe being a bit shy. Maybe this is that, you know, how, how we've changed in terms of our, our mentality now of, you know, we're spending money. So we expect everybody to to come in and, and be on a two, three, four multi-million pound deal. So all of our strikers are going to be to that level. And it's like, well, we're still 
you know, we're still working towards the confines of a budget and there's still a place for Matty Godden, I think, in terms of what we've seen from him at the at the football club. But, you know, you combine the timing of that contract and people, a few people being maybe a bit shocked and surprised about that with obviously what happened at Leicester. And there were a few comments online which, you know, were unnecessary. And I know we spoke before and we said, you know, some comments talking about him missing the chances. I think, you know, he's he's got to be strong enough to be able to take that on board because it, it, it's just fact, you know, he's, he's got chances there to finish off the game for us. But I, I, I want to think the message was more towards those fans who were talking about um, him not deserving a, a new contract for us. And, um, and, and hopefully it will, it will die down at some point because, you know, I think the message is made now. Um, I think hopefully we can, we can move on from it. Yes, and then talking of the new contract, new a new two year deal, so until uh, twenty twenty five. How how did you feel? You know, obviously Matty Gordon's been a great servant since you know we signed him in League One. He's scored goals every season, had his you know a fair share of injury issues, but when he plays, his goals to game record can't can't really be argued. And he did score some vital goals in the second half of last season, um, which to help us get into the playoffs. I mean. I personally was very, very pleased to see him get that deal. I think he's an experienced head. I think Fads and Kelly may well depart at the end of this season. So you want to try and keep some continuity into next season and beyond. So, yeah, how did you feel um, with, with Matt Godden, the contract news that he'd extended? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the continu- continuity thing is is a massive point. You know, that is one of the things I look at. We've had such great team spirit since obviously Mark Robbins has come back into the club and um, and I'm sure we'd always bring players in who continue that but you know it's good to see a few faces around there who um, you can kind of tie things together and um, who have experience of the club and the fan base and, and maybe give people a bit of a what's what and what you're getting with the club but also we're not you know we're not talking about just having passengers on the pitch as well because they can show people around the city or anything like that. Matty Godden, as you said, he scored some really important goals for us. I think you put it in a context of what he potentially will will be at the football club in the next couple of years. And, and I agree. I think it's a, it's a good move for us. You know, we need probably four strikers um, or bringing something to the table for us to be talking about anything towards the top end of the table. And, um, if we're going to do that, I know we've got Hedgie right, and I know we've got Sims, and we've got a lot of hope of what they can do. But past that, we need, you know, another couple of strikers still contributing to the course throughout the season. And Matty Godden's always shown us that he can, he can do that. So yeah, more than happy to to see that one get done. And uh, we have been joined by uh, Ross Spence after technical issues. He's finally joined us. Uh, and and Ross, me, and Matt, we were just talking about. The Wimbledon sort of game and Matty Godden scoring, putting us ahead and things looking, you know, going well, having chances, his new contract. And then, and then really, you know, same story, missed chances and, and everything fell apart. What, what was your take on, you know, where it all went wrong against Wimbledon? Yeah, it's, um, to be honest, I, I was thinking I was saying it to you about Cups as well. Someone said, oh, how come you didn't? You didn't travel down to me yesterday on, about the cup game. And I said, well, to be honest, we've never really, for years, especially in the Robins, we've never really took cup competitions, especially the Carabao Cup. It's never been anything we've really been serious about. I think the most we've got, the furthest we've got is like the second round twice, isn't it, in like the last six years. So it's not something we really prioritise. And I just think it just comes down to that that mentality. Obviously, we had the first game um, Obviously, with with Hamer going and stuff in the week as well, it was there was probably a bit of 
unrest with that going on as well. And obviously there's a new team that's basically completely trying to gel um, with each other. And I think it just come down to the fact of that one, we didn't take our chances and two, we just, we just didn't see out the game well enough, basically. Whereas later on in the season, if it was an FA Cup game, I think it would have been a lot different story. So yeah, I think the the Wimbledon game and obviously everything happening, it was it, it it's never nice to lose it to a lower league team. Um it's not something we want to happen as we feel like we're progressing and obviously seeing the draw that night that we would have had Chelsea away was even more of a kick in the teeth because if it would have just been like an average game against someone in League One or our division would have just said, oh, OK, it's not the end of the world. But when you know you could have had a good away day at a Premier League team, it is a bit of a is a bit of a blow. But to be honest with you, I mean, it gives us now a chance for this first half of the season to just solely focus on getting the, the league games up to scratch and it will reduce any chance of maybe injuries or having to overplay play games and things like that. So I, I, it's, there's negatives and positives to both. But yeah, it's obviously never good to, to go out in the first round and especially in the fashion that we we did it in. Yeah, and, and as Ross says, uh, Matt, you know, it's the draw probably makes it worse. I mean, if it had been someone like in our, our division, I, I don't think any of us would have really cared. And I, th- and I think in the grand scheme of things, we, we don't really, because as you say, under Robbins and for as long as I remember, we the league cup we've never done anything in but robbins's post-match comments he he seemed probably more sort of pissed off than i've ever seen him you know in terms of losing to the, in the league cup because i think he probably saw it as an opportunity with a hopefully a bigger squad of you know strength and depth to give these new players who he described as we're strangers at the minute minutes and we've lost a, a, an avenue for that so i mean yeah what, what, what was your overriding you know, feeling, you know, from, from the sort of defeat and the manner of the defeat as well, two late goals. I think it is the manner of the defeat. You know, I genuinely, I don't want to say I don't care about the EFL Cup, but I just, you know, in the list of priorities, it's, it is way down there. And it was, yeah, there was a frustration, obviously, then of who we would have gone on to play, but not so much the fact that we went out of the competition, but I understand, you know, we, again, we were talking about this before we, we started and, kind of look at it now and we talk about what we've done in past seasons and and obviously Robbins doesn't appear to have taken it seriously because he's played what we might classify as kids and this time you kind of we've got that stronger squad now and it's probably only Howley was the only kid you might want to say who was who was in that side outside of that it was you know an experimental side I guess for us or a change team but a lot of players in there who we spent big money for um mixed in with established first team players so but I think you know in the main we did control the game we we should have gone on and, and won it at Akanta we've obviously suffered the way that we suffered against Leicester that's probably heightened it because it's ended up being a similar um cause of defeat to what happened with Leicester not only just the two late goals but the fact that we could have put the game to bed so I think that's where his frustration was you know I don't think that he's too worried about the AFL Cup but he's now got a squad of players and and people in that side who he spent money on and you'd expect us to be strong enough to to put those sides away so I think it's the manner of the defeat but um, at the same time he will talk about the fact of we're probably you know a little bit behind in terms of how quickly we're able to get players into the squad as well and they're still trying to find their feet, certainly trying to find their feet as a as a team as well. So, you know, to an extent, whilst we don't expect to lose a, a game like this, you expect probably a few teething issues to, to, to happen along the way, unfortunately. Of course, and, and we weren't the only side in the Championship to lose. You, you, I think you yeah. often find a lot of Championships on Southampton 
lost to Gillingham, you know, just just probably pick of the the sort of shock. So yeah, yeah we weren't we weren't alone. Um, and I sort of th- think about it, I think the mischances are one thing, but also the other thing we pri- pri- you know, prided ourselves on last season was clean sheets. And I think you know one nil was often a score that we was enough. One goal was enough for us at the end of last season. So I think both Leicester and Wimbledon just caused a bit of frustration that we weren't able to, you know, to get anything out of those games. Do you know because I mean? we conceded two goals, you know, both in quite late on. So obviously that's something that, you know, Robin sort of said that we'll, you know, we'd get better and learn from. And it just seemed that that defeat sort of, you know, got the fan base sort of down a little bit. And then, you know, just two days later, the the sort of saga, the summer saga, if you like, um, and the ongoing speculation finally can be put to bed regarding Gustavo Hamer. Um, it came out thanks to Ross Spence's uncle's second cousin's dog that uh, Victor Jacares was going to Sheffield United, and uh, Ross, your your uh, Ross Spence, your source was on the money. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess welcome to you first, Ross. The, when it came out, and obviously then it was officially announced at midnight, which also was a bit, a bit frustrating when you're tired. But uh, when it obviously it looked like it was happening and it was coming to an end, what was your, what was your initial reaction? You know, to the news that Hamer w- was going to be off because for weeks it's been, is he going to sign a new contract? Um, is he going back to Holland for family reasons? There's been all sorts of speculation. Everyone seems to think they know when really probably none of us do, but. It's, he's off to the Premier League and to Sheffield United. What what was your reaction? Yeah, like you said, I'd, I'm one for putting stuff in our group, especially about uh, rumours about Nan's cat's dog's uncle that knew about Hamer leaving. So yeah, when I uh, when I found out of of someone, obviously, and I had those those WhatsApp messages. It kind of when you first get told something, you you think about it, but you still, until it's official, you don't ever think about the player going. I think it's one of those things. So when at midnight or they announced the tweet on the Friday night and it said something about midnight and my heart just kind of like went a little bit because you just thought, please don't do it tonight just before our first home game of the season. Then it come out and then you saw him and then wear the red and white stripes and it was just a... It was just a devastating feeling, wasn't it? To just think it was, yeah, it was good. It was finally done from the perspective of we can we can move on and we can actually reinvest that money now as a club. And from, I mean, even Sky Sports said it yesterday, didn't they? We've we looked like we've recruited pretty shrewdly with our money and not just spent it for the sake of it type of thing and not really had any idea or plan of action with it. So from that perspective, it was good to finally get it done. But obviously. I think the disappointing thing for me about it all is obviously we've thrown the kitchen sink at him. Um, he said in his interview, he knew that obviously the club, uh, Doug, Mark Robbins, everyone, even the kit man would have wanted him to stay. You know, everyone wanted him to stay and, and tried to get him to do it. And we obviously went above and beyond to, to do it. And really the first sort of Premier League club that come knocking, he was he was gone really, wasn't he? Because obviously he's going to be on probably double what he was on here plus bonuses etc he'd have probably got a percentage fee of that that money that we've obviously just sold him on for as well so obviously 15 million if it's 10 percent that's one and a half million in his back pocket as well potentially and there's there's lots of other factors to it as well and it's just for me i know and we all know how good he is i thought if he left it would be like Vic when he would go to a level that we wouldn't be at now i don't look at sheffield united as a club that 
as a level that we cannot be at, if that makes sense. They are, yes, they're a league above us, but they're not really in terms of anything ahead of us in anything, to be honest. They're pretty much favourites to go down. They've not. They've lost a lot of their key players, Ockendai, Sanderberg as well. And that's really the only reason by the sounds that they went in for Hamer in the end is because they lost him and they needed to replace him. So from that perspective, it was it was disappointing. And for him to basically say, oh, well, I found out about the interest Tuesday. He obviously played on Wednesday in the cup, which we lost as well. And then for obviously two days later, Tim to be gone, it was it was kind of a kick in the teeth. But that's football, isn't it? There's, there's, we've got loyal players, but when it comes push comes to shove, they're always going to do what's best for their money and playing career-wise. So, Yeah, I know you, you're bang on. And I think, I think the key thing is on, on after the news comes out, Matt, you know, and, and I think we're obviously all gutted, all devastated, him and Vic, you know, single-handedly, you know, basically last, they, they, they dragged us up into the playoffs, didn't they, really, with their performances. And when the news comes out, there is just a, there is that natural sort of you know deflated feeling. Even even with Vic, actually, when you know it, when it was actually announced, even though it was the most inevitable thing ever, and we all knew it was happening for the moment we didn't beat Luton, we knew that he was going to go. When it happens, there is still that ah like, oh, that sadness. I think with Hamer, there there was a feeling that it, it felt like it was sort of fifty fifty for a while that he may well stay and commit a new deal. <laughs> When did you sort of lose hope of that? You know, because it felt like last maybe was it the extra friendly? There was some ominous quotes from Robbins. At what point did you start in your heart of hearts thinking his future's probably gonna be elsewhere? Um I'm gonna probably credit Ross Spence's uncle's best mate's dog in this because to be fair, he's not been wrong yet with a rumor. And um and when he said Sheffield United in that in that text to our group in my mind i thought do you know what that one it does make sense to me just on the fact of they'd obviously just sold burger um they hadn't you know they they needed to bring players in it made sense in terms of a level for him to go to and i just thought do you know what i could see him being enticed by the fact that this is a club that he can go to and start as a regular in the premier league no questions asked you know he goes there and I, you know, they're parading him around before the game and and everything else. And this is a, you know, obviously I take on board what what Ross says, but um, they are a level above us. You know, we just we have to be honest about that at the minute. They are a level above us because there's a massive difference between a Championship club and a and a Premiership club. Whether they, you know, come down next season, which they probably will. Um, at this moment in time, if you're a professional footballer and somebody's talking to you about go into a Premier League team that you can play in and showcase yourself to the world because that's what he's doing now. He's showcasing himself to the world as you do as a Premier League player. Then that's a really big thing to to turn down. So I think when I heard that it was Sheffield United who were interested, I'd kind of, you know, I'd resign myself probably to thinking he'd go at the start of the transfer window. And then every day, as every day went by, I thought a little bit more confidently that he's going to stay and that away shirt was going to be um revealed with him on it and the 3rd of august as we all got bought into that rubbish and all that kind of stuff but every day that went along i got a bit more confident and i don't know when when ross actually dropped that rumor which obviously proved again to be correct um at that time I, yeah I, I just had a bad feeling i thought this to me makes sense and 
you know, now he's got that opportunity. Whether they go down or not, he's got that opportunity to show. Put himself in the shop window, yeah. doesn't he? Exactly. Yeah, that's my thinking. You know, if he plays to the level of what he did for us in the second half of last season, you know, they go down. He's not. Another team will snap him. No, of course he won't. No, yeah. a West Ham. He just or... needs to show that at Premier League level. Yeah. And then he goes he goes on from there. And at the end of the day, he is 20, he's 26, right? He yeah. stays with us for another year. You start getting in the back end of your your career and that opportunity, it's not this even necessarily this move for him, in my mind. Mm. It's the next one. Um and, but he's got to do something to give him that window uh, for the next move. So yeah. I get I guess I yeah, and I, I completely agree. I guess the only sort of were you surprised that a better team than Sheffield United weren't in for him. I guess that's yeah. the, like Ross, you were saying, you know, they're obviously they're above us at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if we go up this year and they came down. I guess I was just a bit surprised myself that, because we know how good he is and you've seen the likes of West Ham sign, you know, Flynn Downs from Swansea and, you know, and, you know, Lewis Potter go, you're going to Brentford from Hull. You see these other midfielders go for big money. Were you surprised that it was Sheffield United and that there wasn't a bigger Premier League side, you know, more established coming in for him because that, I guess, that was the only thing that surprised me. I, I guess, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think a lot of Premier League teams are Mr. Trick not signing. To be honest with you, for the value for money you're getting for Gus Hamer is unbelievable. If it is around twelve to fifteen million pounds or, or whatever being talked about, you know, it's unbelievable value for money to get him. So yeah, absolutely. I, I hundred percent. I think it, what it shows is, you know, people have said oh, Sheffield United and his head's been turned and this, that and the other. I just think there were no other bids that came in that were that were serious, that got to this level, that kind of met evaluation that we're going to let him, we're going to let him go because I think he would have done the same thing. I think essentially for him, if it was a Premier League team, he, he, he wanted to go. go. And mm. yeah, I, and I am surprised and I think a lot of Premier League teams have missed the trick here because... If you could get him for twelve to fifteen million pounds, you 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 run to a match winner. It, it's just a no-brainer, it, you know. And again, obviously, whenever news like this comes out, the Sky Blue Army Twitter, the forums just go into absolute meltdown. All the all the beds get wet again, and everyone's you got the same the usual suspects who had suddenly gone quite quiet all come out that would work, and it's not my king, you know, is is trending on Twitter again. I had to get that in there, and. Um, I, I'm not sure what more we could have done in this situation. We clearly, uh, you know, in years gone by, when we even 10 years ago, you know, even longer than that, when we had the likes of Kieran Westwood and, and, and that, you know, and we had star players, you, you you sort of did question, did had we made them a good enough offer? Whereas I have no doubt today that Hamer was probably offered probably one of the highest wages we've ever offered. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. ever. And he, he's obviously, I think if it, there'd been no Premier League offers, he'd have stayed. I, I really do believe that. But the other thing that Doug King has shown is that we're not going to accept any old offer. I think he would have kept him here and let him go for free if there had been a, a bid less than 10 million. You know, so I think he, he stood firm. Sheffield United have lost Sander, Sander Berger. They were like, we need to get somebody in. I don't understand the 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 sort of... I saw some people saying he's dropped a clanger here, Ross, and... and, and I mean... We he's done the best thing for the club, hasn't he? You know, you're getting that sort of fee. You know, along with Yokarez, we've got two players there who were bought for two and two point five million combined. We're selling them for 30, 35 million in one window, and we're reinvesting it. That's the key point. I mean, it was the it was the right decision, Ross, don't you think? In the end. Yeah, and ultimately, 
obviously Hamer, I've, I've tweeted it. He is, he's a goat for us, isn't he? He really is. A, he really is the definition of a Coventry goat. But we got. I think our fans get really sentimental, and I've said it before, and they get very sucked in about things. And because we've not had a lot to cling on to, because we've had these gem players, it's very sentimental for a club like us, isn't it? That we've had them, and to lose them is almost like a child when you take their toy away. It's like, no, please don't. Oh, why are you doing that? You know, it's that sort of mentality. But none of these players are, are bigger than Coventry City, ultimately, ultimately, at the end of the day. Our club is our club. And it's not we've sold £35 million worth of assets and reinvested £2 million of it, like we would have done under CSU. Like you said, we have literally gone out. Like yesterday, we bought off the bench £10 million worth of players <laughs> now for those words to come out of a Coventry City fan's mouth is quite remarkable because I did not think I would be saying those type of words being a Coventry fan and to actually be able to witness us do that yesterday was it was like a proud feeling I actually thought oh my god we actually are competing here like we're actually the ones that are bringing players off the bench, something I've always wanted us to do and we've watched other teams in awe of, we are doing it. And ultimately, that comes down to the funds of what they got us ultimately from getting to the playoffs and what we achieved with that achievement with both of them. And also then their fees from then selling them on both this year for what they've done and selling them to their new their new adventures at their new club. So there's no point being extremely bitter about it because we've not been, it's not like we've been mugged off for both players and we've, we've sat here like, exactly. oh, well, let them go. We've got what we, the best we can for both of them. And I'm sure like Jokeres is, Aimer will have some form of salon clause from Sheffield United in there that when they sell him, that we will get, we will get money from him. And, and I think with Hamer, as Matt touched on, I, I think it's more likely that he's probably going to get a move quicker than Yoko yeah. yeah. potentially yeah. in 12 months time and yeah you know how many you know we spoke about it obviously on our Skybiz extra whatsapp group and you know it, you, you do get sentimental about players and people are irreplaceable but how many irreplaceable players have we had you know Mark McNaughty was irreplaceable when we got promoted from League Two how are we going to replace his goals and Liam Walsh was irreplaceable and who replaced him Gustavo Hamer everyone was like who's this guy and it will it will come again, and and me and Matt were talking before before the podcast off air. We said I was saying about Luton, who you know they beat us in the final. We we could have beat them, but over the course of forty six games, they're the third best side. They didn't have either of those players. You know, we had two players who would get into any championship team, but there was four teams who finished above us. And if other teams hadn't bottled it, we might not have finished fifth. I'm not taking anything away from what we did, but there was you know we could yeah. have easily finished seventh another season if other teams had picked up other results because it wasn't in our hand at you know with five games to go so it's about building that squad and 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 having that sort of depth and you look at teams in the past and wardy always says it's about brentford you know it took them several attempts you look at cardiff you go back to their sort of golden era when they had jay bothroyd ross mccormack uh, michael chopra three standout players they didn't get promoted they sold them and then they had you know, less X factor players, but then they got promoted with the better side. Um, Brentford again, yeah, they, they sold Ollie Watkins and whoever else, and then they did it. And I think with Mark Robbins at the helm, he's the key. People say Gustavo Haim is the one who got us to the playoff final. He did on the pitch, but Mark Robbins for me is, is the mo- is the MVP of, of Coventry City. And I think while he's here, then we've got uh, every chance. And um, 
you know, is that how you see it, Matt, you know, in terms of the bigger picture for the club with this sale that yes, it leaves a hole on the pitch, but it's one that you, we must be confident that we're going to fill and beyond, you know, in terms of elsewhere on the, uh, on the team sheet. Yeah. Like you say, we were talking before the, uh, the pod started, you know, you think back to not very long ago and, and we're looking at potential assets that we have in the, in the football club and, you know, probably even going back a year, we'd have said maybe three or four. Now we're talking about a potential not far off a match day squad worth of viable talents. And that's a combination of certain players that we bring in through, um, like a Josh Eccles and, and and obviously we've, we've brought him to become a viable asset and we'll continue to do that with some others as well. Um, but also with the fact that we can go out and spend some money and, and bring players through and we're talking about the quality that we can bring off the bench. None of that happens if these if these sales don't happen. So it's unfortunate, but it is the 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 cycle that we're in, you know, without having won that penalty kick to or the penalty shootout to go into the Premier League, we're still a championship club. And when players perform to the level that Giocares and Hamer did, then there's going to be attention around them and they're going to want to move on to to what is unfortunately a, a level above us. So keeping Hamer when Hamer doesn't want to be here, when he wants to play at Premier League level and and have that kind of opportunity to showcase himself, wouldn't have been the right thing for us to do anyway. You know, we'd have had a season of him disoriented, kind of disillusioned with the club, not happy with with being here and probably wouldn't worked out best for us because we've still got work to do to finish in those top um top six places and, and you, you don't need a, a player who's probably not going to be up for the up for the fight when he's that important to you you know we needed to get that money for him now if obviously you know we were turning down bids for him and, and just saying we'll see out your career and and let him go on a free in 12 months time so we've done the right thing we've done the necessary thing we've, we've kind of been you know, our, our hand's been forced to an extent with that signing, but we turned it into a positive and that's what we're doing now. We'll continue to do, you know, the big thing for me is how we started talking about this and we're saying about the news going through and how devastating we're, we're talking about this, like it's something that happened three, four, five months ago, right? This happened less than 48 hours ago. But for me, I'm already thinking forward, moving forward. I know that the fact that we won on Saturday helped in between this news and where we are today, but I'm already now in a situation where I can say, but look at what we can do on Saturday with this squad that we've now built off the back of these two players going. And that's before we invest another, whatever it is, six, seven, eight, nine, ten million. Who knows? It might be 15 with, with what we're seeing at the minute. So actually, you know, this only happened 48 hours ago. But in my mind, and, and hopefully a lot of Cough fans' minds, we're already saying that that's in the past now. As much as we'll always love Hamer for what he did for this football club, and we'll probably see him around the area um, more often than a lot of the other players who've left the club. Um, yeah, we're, we're already moving forward and, and we're doing it in the right way. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. So less than 24 hours after the Gustavo Hamer transfer was um, officially announced, well, actually 12 hours later, because it was announced at midnight, we had our first home game of the season. Uh, this one wasn't postponed due to a poor pitch. This time the pitch was looking looking lush, looking lovely. Uh, almost 19,000 season ticket holders, a crowd of 24,000 uh, eagerly anticipating, you know, what will hopefully be another impressive home compa- campaign at the uh, Coventry Building Society Arena and welcoming a uh, a familiar foe in, in Middlesbrough who we played, you know, three times in the last four games of the season. And and Ross, you know, going to the game yesterday, before we even get onto the game itself, you can start noticing changes, really positive changes, you know, around in the concourse, you know, Things looking neater, the new kiosks, you know, the fa- the sort of uh, the fan village outside the main stand, that the branding along the the railing between the main stand and the you know, the railway line, all those little things starting inside on the pillars, you know, uh, sort of Coventry City branding everywhere. Those little things make a big difference, don't they, to making it feel more like our home than probably it's ever felt, even since we moved in two thousand and five, two thousand and six. So, yeah, I mean. How did you feel when you, you you go up and you see all these new things? You see the pictures of the new dressing rooms that we've got finally back in the one we, we should have had, the new branding, the new dugouts, no wasp seats anymore, Coventry City Sky Blue seats, and little touches like that just make it feel like we're actually a proper club again and this is actually our home. Yeah, definitely. Like Even the um, the writing on the um, like where Block 29 and 30 is around there, you know, you had CBS written on the on the seats instead of like wasps and stuff. What it has been in the past, and like you said, I didn't actually notice the dugouts because I was in block five of that game, so I couldn't really see them. But obviously, when I watched the game back on the telly, obviously we've now got the brand new sky blue um, seats in obviously the home and in the and the away end, which is just a, a great bit of touch to add to along the pitch, doesn't it? It makes it feel a lot more at home, like you said. And then obviously the pictures that the club tweeted of when the players are in the tunnel, it's it's all about Cobb now and obviously they've got the picture of themselves on the side um the changing rooms now it already it was basically like a b-tech man city wasn't it really our changing room if that makes sense it was like we had the big crest in the middle of the pitch obviously we then had the players and um, we've got the tv type screens with their names above each of their thing that's for a club of our size and you know a club of what we have and a history that we have that should be a standard procedure for us to be honest with you you know and especially when we're at the level that we're at and we were one kick away from the Premier League we shouldn't be it's crazy that we actually have to look at these things and think they're like an achievement or something special because it should be a given to someone like us but we obviously cherish it more because of the position that we've we've been in which is why it's such a satisfying feeling for us really to have to have gone up and see it and like you said all those things like even the crests being on the outside of the stadium now you know as you go around the CBS you can just see all the Coventry badges on the outside it, it does feel like it is now officially our home and it does feel like the start of a, a completely new a new era it does and I, and I think those things that Robinson 
was in, quoted as saying it's it feels like there's the club said you know a breath of fresh air new new lease of life through it and i think those things are important for the players and for robins you know he's been at the club for he's the longest serving manager in the you know in the championship and like third or fourth in the whole of the you know the the four divisions and i think it's important for him to see that the club is progressing um you know on and off the pitch i think for you know for the last few seasons matt Robbins, obviously, we all know the work he's done on the pitch with, you know, his hands tied behind his back in a straight jacket, really. But the club has been very amateurish off the pitch. You know, the training ground we know is getting extensive work done for the two new pitches. And then obviously work's going to happen in the Wrighton building, the ground, you know, all these little things, you know, Ross just mentioned and, and spoke about. It feels like that's sort of important for Robbins, isn't it? You know, for, for him to see that we are pushing on, we want to get to the next level. Yeah, it's a massively important point, to be fair. Um, and it's something you could quite quite easily overlook. You know, we probably take, well, we definitely do take Robbins for for granted. Um, and, and as we mentioned moments ago around the Hamer situation, you know, Robbins is the most important thing to us out, uh, out of anything in this situation with what he does for this football club. And yeah, you can see it when he talks about the developments that are happening outside of obviously just the plane um developments that we've made which obviously is going to be massively important for him as well but he does seem to have a little um spring in his step when he talks about it i think i remember an interview and saying it's the most we spent on you know developments outside of the playing side in terms of the training ground and, and all of that since way before he was at the football club and, and prior to premier league days and and everything like that so you know he's really excited as you can imagine he would be um all these little touches that we're making but the little touches that are all adding up to as you say give us a much more professional feel to make our to make this stadium feel like our home um you know something that he can feel really proud about when when you bring in new players into the facilities and showing them and trying to bring them on board you know we obviously spent a lot of time talking about that window and it's quite funny not only did they they fix the window but we've spent so much time actually improving the facilities a, across the board and it and it does look good you know you've seen these pictures on that they kind of made a, a deal of announcing the changing rooms on on twitter before the game on saturday afternoon and i kind of saw that and i thought wow yeah that does you know it gives you a little little moment where you can feel like you're proud to um, maybe have other fans of other teams look at look at those touches as well. But as you say, going back to your initial point, yeah, for Robbins, um, you know, again, Doug King's, uh, you know, identified again the most important asset to our football club, yeah. and, and and these these touches will will be massively important it, to him. A hundred percent, because you always feel with Robbins like the fact that he believed that you know, and his whole mantra and I remember Michael Doyle when he was on the Scarborough Extra podcast talking about it saying that when he went in the league two Robbins was like I want to get this club to the Premier League and also this wait that's years before Sisu left but you always feel with Robbins if he feels like you just don't want him to ever feel like he's taken us as far as as he can and I feel like the new ownership and him seeing these changes it feels like you said he's got a skip in his step you know ever since Doug King came in you know he, he feels like yeah, I mean, he, although he did, when he said, "Oh, you know, we, we're not going to have loads to spend yet," here here he is spending the second most in in the, in the league. I mean, it's funny because on the forums you've got some people making up stupid rumours, um, sort of saying, "Oh, Robbins is fuming with with Ducking." I'm thinking, how can he possibly be fuming when he's been? Yes, all right, we sold the two stars, but he's already spent like 
18 million quid. He's like you said, it, we're easily probably going to spend another five or six, yeah. you know, based on Robbins's quotes after the game. So I think he looks buzzing. Um, and as we sort of, me, Wardy and Dino spoke about in the preview pod, he has got something he's not had before, which is some pressure um, to to deliver. But, you know, this is Mark Robbins and I'm sure he will do that. And getting on to the game, and that's why it was also important after the two defeats that, you know, for us as fans, but also for Robbins and the team to pick up a good result. He made one change from the starting eleven that played against Leicester. Uh, Van Avak coming in and Eccles moving from right wing back to centre mid. So him and Sheaf were filling that midfield void. Um, Matt, were you happy with the, the, the eleven? Is that what you predicted would happen? Because obviously it felt like we were slightly light in midfield once the departure of Hamer was confirmed. Were you expecting any other changes or, or were you pretty pretty satisfied? No, yeah, I think that was um, the obvious change, really. Obviously, I knew Wick's still in uh, relatively early days in terms of his history with the football club. But at a certain point, you know, we've invested a lot of money. You want to, you want to see him starting in games. And obviously, he needs that push to... Um, to, to show what he can do so glad to see him obviously now starting and um yeah it feels like an obvious move bringing Eccles into the middle you know Eccles again we talk about that progression as a football team and as much as we probably could have well we obviously certainly could have put Kelly in there you know if we are if we are looking at what we can do in the future obviously we're going to um replace Heyman we're going to spend money but Let's have a look at somebody with every great respect to Liam Kelly. You know, it excites me more at the thought of putting Josh Eccles in there and seeing what he can become as a footballer versus knowing what Liam Kelly can do and where he is at footballer at kind of the other end of his career. And again, I mean that with with no disrespect because he's been a fantastic servant to us and obviously was came in and was massively important to us towards the end of last season. But yeah, for me, I, I wanted to see Eccles come into that um kind of gap that we obviously had with 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 Hamer leaving and um and seeing what we can do now with Eccles in Sheaf. Obviously we're going to get more competition in that area. But it's um yeah it's what I wanted to see. It's what I expected to see. And um as we all know it it, it worked out well. It worked out. And did did you think um you know did I, either of you think that Wright might start? Did you or did you expect, you know, Sims, you know, Ross to sort of keep his place um with, with Godden up front? Um, to be honest, I was actually quite surprised that he played Sims. Like, no, no disrespect to Sims, because there's one thing I'm going to say when I'm on here as well, and I've spoke to people about this yesterday, that Sims, people, I think, obviously, when you've had a player like Jokeres, it's very easy to get sucked in that when we spend money, that we're going to be very much trying to replicate the same type of player. Ellis Sims is nowhere near what Victor Jokeres will be in terms of dribbling with the ball, physicality. He is not that type of player. He's obviously, for me, got a lot to improve on in terms of, because he's a big boy, he needs to improve his hold-up play. But that will come with our coaching, which is one of the things that Mark Robbins has said. He's a good player, but he's got a lot to learn. And we feel like developing him, he will become a good player over time. So fans need to accept that part of his game at the minute might be weaker. But as the season goes on, it will get better. But I was surprised that Wright didn't play, considering that he played in the week. But I think he's obviously just trying to bed him in. But obviously, <laughs> the impact he had when he come on again in another game, it wasn't just a one-game wonder. He had an impact straight away. And then his finish that he scored for his goal 
shows everything of why we've paid nearly eight million pounds for this guy and why he should be should basically why he should be starting for us week in week out because that finish that he did yes people say well it fouled him and he shot that's such an instinctive finish and when i watched it back there was actually a lot of players on the line and he hit it that well that they just had zero chance of getting it and it didn't even look it didn't even look like it really phased him he was in that position it was just like one touch finish smash it in the back of the net do my celebration and that's the type of mentality and player that we've got to now have as a football club because I was one of those players with Van Ewick as an example I was like oh you know well he needs time we've got to bed him in and like one of my mates said he said Ross we're not this let's get five loan players in a 19 years old club anymore and bed them in for weeks he said we're paying a lot of money for these players yes they're going to need time but we've bought them for a reason and we need to be playing them ASAP to get them used to it and we need to now almost as fans, shift our mentality from that of, I'll give them time to bed them. Yeah, bed them in, but they need to be playing quickly and getting up to speed. Get minutes, yes. Yeah. yeah, and they're our players and we expect them to be able to perform. Yes, it's a different league, but these are eight, four, five million pound players that we're spending money on. So they should be able to adapt a lot quicker than what 19-year-old Brooke Norton Coffee would have done in January, as an very, example. Yeah, very, so, yeah. Yeah, no, very, very fair point. I think, you know, when, you know, and I think what Robin's, his observations are, are fair in terms of it is going to sort of take time. But like you said, then it, they're, they're going to need to play, you know. Um, and on to the game, uh, we, you know, we started well, um, positive, yeah, bright start. And, uh, you know, what, 11 minutes in or so, we we, we took the lead. Matty Godden, um, Matt, you know, scoring, scoring again, you know, same celebration, whipped it out, fingers in his ears, um, nice move, sustained pressure, you know, it started to silver crossing it, Van Owick picked it up on the far side, played it in, Eccles shot, took a deflection, but Matty Godden again, one of those nice instinctive finishes, bottom of the corner, running up <laughs> to my end, fingers in ears, but it was the perfect start, wasn't it? It's what we needed, I felt like the whole crowd needed you know after the news of Hamer and after the last couple of results it just got the got the CBS rocking yeah it gave us an opportunity to kind of I don't know just put a pin in what's what's happened and, and here we are this is what you've got moving forward and and there's a lot for us to be optimistic and excited about and it, obviously it reminded us about what Matty Godden is as a footballer because he he is a finisher you know uh, he's not going to excite people, I guess, because he's been at the football club for a number of years he's not, and we're spending money on players now, right? So we want everybody in the squad to be a four or five million pound player, but we still need to get the most out of people who can who can offer something to this squad. And Matty Godden gave us another reminder on Saturday of what he can bring to this squad. Um, it, it's, it's a Matty Godden type goal. You know, he's in the perfect position. He's first to react to the ball. It's really not a simple um, finish. And I know he doesn't get loads on it but he gets what he needs to 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 obviously put it out of reach for the for the goalkeeper and you know that ball coming at him it's sort of taking a deflection it's not a great height but it's it shows what Matty Godden is a he's in the perfect position to start with but b he does you know he does what he needs to do he gets enough on it to 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 put it into the bottom corner and, and as you say massively important for us to get that um fast start in in this game after what has been a, an ultimately a difficult week for us so yeah, great, great to see him get the goal and, and hopefully that will be it for the, the celebration. I know we got it a little bit later on, almost half embarrassed um with the with their own goal, but hopefully 
it will it will die down. Die down. <laughs> well, what maybe, maybe he's just doing it until he comes up with you know something else for you know that he can do. About. You don't I know. Change it, do you? I know. I know. I know. I know. Um, I, yeah, I enjoyed the aeroplane and the lawnmower. So, yeah, something else. And we almost almost they made it two nil. Um, yeah, Ben Sheaf winning the ball back. Ross in midfield could have played it through to Sims instead. Of played it's Godden. Godden cut inside. Right footed shot parried, and then Van Avak running in. And from my angle, I thought he hit it back across goal. I thought this is going to go bottom corner, and it. Looking back on the highlights, went obviously just just wide, uh, and that was a big chance, wasn't it? Um, for a for a debut goal. Yeah, it was. Do you know? I was I was saying it to people. I think again, Van Ewick. I think he's. You can see everything as to why we've bought him. I've noticed as well. He's got very like as weird as he sounds. He's got very like chunky legs, if that makes sense. He's very like. In terms of how he moves on the ground, I can see why he's such a fast player because he's very like he's very well rounded in his like sort of lower half of his body. Like he doesn't like, skip leg day like you, Ross. That's why. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. He definitely doesn't. He needs to take me through one of his leg days because he's got some. He's got some big legs. He's a he's a lot bigger in terms of when you see him out on the pitch than what you would have first first thought. To be fair to him, but yeah, he's. Um, I think he just needs a bit more confidence when he goes forward because I think. I don't want him to get what I've called Dabo syndrome, where he just always feels like he has to pass it. He's obviously got a lot of quality, and he he does possess that. You can see he can defend. Um, he's got he has got a very good defensive attributes to him, which I'm impressed about. But I think going forwards, he's got pace. He always looks to get forward. He now just needs to get that confidence to use the ability he knows he's got. And he he did actually have two shots, I believe, in the game, didn't he? He had that one. And then there was another one, I believe, from a corner that he put just wide. So he's not afraid to um to obviously have a shot, which we all probably knew before from his from his highlights from his other clubs. And one thing I did actually like that I didn't actually notice, and you guys will probably see this when you go back. Um, it was the, on the Coventry Twitter header. Um, when Godden scores, Van Ewick actually runs over to the fans and he's literally like full on pumping his arms, going like, "Yes, come on!" He's quite a uh, he's quite a passionate character, I think, by the looks of it, isn't he? And he likes to get the get get the fans involved. So I think he's going to be a a good asset as we go along. But like you said, it was a, it was a good chance, and from my angle in block five where I was for that game, it actually did look like it was going in for a minute, but he just put it wide. But It'll come for him, I think. It's just, I think it's just going to be a confidence thing, like I said. And the more he gets used to linking up with Eccles and Sheaf and any of the new midfielders we get, for example, and Palmer and all those things, the more they get to know each other, the more it's just going to start to click. And we'll see the full flourishment, I think, of him in in games to come and months to come. Exactly. And and you know the, the thing that first half that sort of really stood out, sort of to me, Matt, and I don't know if it to, to you as well was. The style of play, I mean, Robbins was actually berating our centre-backs for rushing it too much. You know, it was last year, it felt like, and, you know, injuries played their part, but, you know, we the centre-backs would get it and they'd just look for the ball in the channel to Vic. And it felt like if teams defended that, then we were sort of, you know, found out and we had no other option, even with, you know, the best midfielder in the league, Gustavo Hamer. We bypassed him a lot of the time to play these balls into Vic in the channel. It felt like yesterday Robbins wanted us to be patient and, and and really find those intricate passing, get the wing backs high up like we did two seasons ago. Um, you know, is that sort of the style that you think, you know, is going to get the best out of the players that we've got now? And, you know, having that extra depth and, and do you think that ultimately is the way that Robbins sort of wants us to play? Um, and obviously he just sort of had to adapt until last year because of injuries and personnel. 
Yeah, absolutely. You, you had something last season which became quite predictable, but Kyokerez was that good that it just became so effective and difficult for, for teams to to stop, really. And you're not going to replicate Gokarez, as as we've said, as we know, um, like for like with a striker. So we need to really play a different way. Um, and now we've lost Hamer as well. But there's no surprise in the kind of players that we're bringing in. If you look at, um, you know, Latibodier and you look at Thomas starting it from the back, Thomas, we've seen already very confident on the ball and he's not afraid to come forward with the ball. Latibodier, we we know, can play in a range of different positions. He can play uh, right back, but he's also played centre midfield for, for Jamaica recently as well. So these are players who are confident on the ball. You can bring it out. You can play it out from the back. Um, and that's not a coincidence. You know, it, it's been done because we need to change the way that we play from last season because, as you rightly say, the main outlet for that, how we played last season is no longer at the football club. So, yeah, it was really promising. You know, there's a lot of talk about how middles were played and, you know, they obviously got a lot to do in terms of their development still, but they've still got a lot of good players in, in that football team. And you saw it once they started to get a bit of a handle maybe on the way we were going to play, but we were really just playing through them with such ease in that first half. And you just thought, you know, this is just so good to see. It, it really did bode well for, for what's to come this season. It, it did. And, you know, and, and you know, halftime came and 1-0 leading in the second half. It was in, it was weird because obviously with a lot of new players, it's just going to take a little bit of time for them to completely understand each other's games. There's going to be the odd mishap or miscommunication. And that was the only really time, real time that Middlesbrough got a clear chance. And they actually had a, a couple, you know, in the second half, there was the... Morgan Rogers sort of danced through and managed to get past a few players and sort of had that shot, which I thought was in and somehow went wide. And then the big one was Latibodier and Sheaf initially, and then Latibodier and Fads all just <laughs> bumping into each other like they were, you know, dodgems or something, you know, in the fair. And then and then the ball fell and I thought I'd have put my house on that guy to score and he, he blazed it over. I mean, that was it. Though there were a couple of big moments, weren't they? And, and you feel like that won't happen in a couple of weeks' time once Fads and, and Latibodier and, and, and the back three as a whole just become, learn, you know, get on the same wavelength completely. Because other than that, they look really accomplished, didn't they? Yeah, I think one of the things that you would have said about last season, which made it probably easier to gel is, you know, you take Fads and, and I know obviously we didn't get McNally until halfway through, but McNally and, and Doyle are both younger defenders. I think it was easy for Fads to just kind of say... I take the leads and you follow for what I'm doing. I think Latibodier, um, and from what we can see with Thomas, you know, Thomas is a young defender, but he obviously is a leader. He's obviously somebody who's got a lot of confidence in what he can do. And then Latibodier, again, you know, this is an international footballer. So it's in a weird way, their experience or their confidence or whatever else maybe makes it a little bit more difficult to gel because previously it's just been fads he's your he's your main guy he's your leader he's your organizer and then you two do what you do in terms of your quality so there is an element of that and obviously as you say that chance they had um probably highlighted it but they know this you know it, it doesn't take us to, to to tell them you know what they need to work on and and obviously it's you can see the quality that all three of them have got it's not going to be a problem it's just we're still very early on in the season and you're probably going to get moments like this but it's not something i worry about as an ongoing throughout their careers together no of course not and so you know you spoke about bobby thomas and ross i'll get your opinion on 
on him and, and Atabodier um, very shortly. The, the big thing I notice is, and I, I remember this, when we signed actually McNally on loan last year and we had Doyle, Fads and McNally, Robbins said, used to say how quiet, you know what I mean? The only person really sort of shouting was Fads and actually those, all the other centre-backs we had were just silent, you know. It seems like now Bobby Thomas, it, it seems like a natural leader. Latabodier yeah. in his own interview said, by his own admission, you know, I like to think I'm a leader. If the rumours are true that we're going to get this kitchen from Barzi, he's their captain. So he's a leader. And all of a sudden, you've got then a whole back line of people who want to communicate. I mean, Ross, what have you made of, you know, Latabodier and, and Bobby Thomas, you know, obviously, albeit, you know, just a couple of games into their Coventry City careers? Uh, yeah, I mean, Latabodier was one I used to sort of watch him at Swansea and he never, he never stood out. And I think, Obviously, a lot of their fans said, oh, we're not really too bothered about him going. But then I looked at the actual honest Swansea fans and a lot of them said, well, to be honest, we played him out of position. And when he was at centre-back, he was a lot better for us. And looking at him, he doesn't he doesn't look like he's only just signed for us. You'd have probably thought he'd been playing for us for about a year, the way he's playing at the minute. He loves to get on the ball. He's not. He doesn't get phased in awkward situations. Like one thing that Nally was bad at, was if it was if it felt awkward the pressure he'd make a bad pass or he'd do something silly whereas Latibodier has quite a bit of confidence that if he's under pressure don't don't get it twisted he'll still pass it back to Wilson if it comes to it he still has full confidence and belief of no this is the way that we want to play and this is how I play and I'm not going to change that just because of a situation I find myself in it's almost like embedded in him to be that way and that's that's another sign of a leader without speaking if you believe in a way of playing and you go against that then that has an impact on the team if your teammates can see that you always do things in a certain way it's it's, it's an example isn't it for the rest of the team to, to sort of follow as well and Bobby Thomas as I said to you yesterday Ross he's, he's, he's dynamite isn't he he really is a he really is a gem. I didn't know too much about him. I remember I did watch the League One playoff final and he did play really well because they defended so well in that final against Sheffield Wednesday, especially when they had 10 men. But I'll be honest, I didn't know evidently a lot about him. But then seeing him in pre-season and then away at Leicester last week and then like this week again, he's just... Like you said, he's a real, real leader, isn't he, for someone so young? And he just doesn't... There was it, The ones that impressed me more than anything were the corners. Like They whipped in two corners in that um, first half down sort of my end. And they were really fisting corners. And both time, it was just boom, away, head, no phase on it at all. It was just head it, get it out, and then he'd squeeze the rest of the team out. And that's, the, that's a sign of a real leader. And like you said, last year, we'd have really probably only looked at maybe fads for doing that type of sort of thing. He'd be the one to put his head on it and get everyone out. But having those players now who will both do those things as well as McFadston is, is like you said, is a real positive and it's going to benefit us massively. It, no, it certainly is. Certainly is. And me and Matt were speaking, you know, before the pod and it's great to look around the squad and all these people who impress us, all of them who played yesterday, are our players for the next three or four yeah. years. De Silva, Bobby Thomas. Yeah. You go through the side and, and, and you know, uh, Ellis Sims and 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 obviously had you right. And I'll come on to his goal now, Matt. Um, made it 2-0. Casey Palmer now on seemingly on corner duties, you know, in the absence of uh, Hamer. Whipped in, got an, good movement, flicked it on from the near post. Hit a uh, Middlesbrough player on the line, came out. And um, so Ross has touched on it already, but a, a really, you know, impressive sort of, finish and uh, it almost felt 
I don't know. I, I don't know how you felt. I just felt pretty confident. I thought goal, you know, and uh, how, how important do you think that is for him? You know, our club record signing, you know, Craig Bellamy was our club record signing for, you know, that record for 20 odd years. It's finally been broken, which I don't think any of us thought was ever going to happen, regardless of selling Jokeres and, and Hamer. I don't think any of us thought, I think we all thought, oh, if we buy five one million pound players, that would be good, you know, let alone yeah. spend 7.7 on on one player. But how important is that for him, you know, to, to get off the mark w- with a goal and, and, and feel the atmosphere and, and for him to now kick on? Yeah, he's a striker. You know, uh, you look at him, he looks unbelievably chilled as a human being. So you kind of think if there's anybody who probably doesn't feel a lot of pressure or a lot of the noise or anything like that, he might be one of them. But he's a striker, right? You know, he goes three, four, five games without a goal. That could very quickly change. So to get that out of the way, to get that done, to do it in front of the, the, the Sky Blues fans at home in the first home fixture of the season it's uh it's massively important for any striker especially when you've got that kind of price tag against your name you know we are a fan base that have spent years as you say without really investing any money and nobody expected us to spend this kind of money so when you are brought in at that level um the expectation comes with it and as chilled out as he looks you know you take four five six weeks of cough fans who were looking at you as their new prized, you know, signing yeah. for all this money. It, it's easy for anybody to let that get to them. So massively important. But yeah, like touching on the other points as well, Palmer's deliveries have looked really threatening. Obviously, we've got the two goals from them now. Um, you know, obviously, Godden had an inf- influence on the goal. But it, it, more than anything, obviously, you can look at it and say, well, he's five yards out and he's put it home. But actually, he's pulled back a really good point so he's he's obviously found some level of space for him in case the ball goes that area rather than just stand closer to the goal which I thought was really good to see and then as Ross did touch on you know it's a better finish than it it looks from that close because there are three players already on the line he has to pick a spot and he does it and he does it with pace um so yeah it was it was a really good goal and and as we say really important for him to to get off the mark so quickly and uh he he looks fantastic he looks like you know we've we've really got somebody here yeah exactly and like you say when, when there's big shoes to fill it's, it's important to get off the mark and and then we made it three matty godden again a nice move counter-attack ben sheaf who who was superb um winning the ball how do you make a run and, uh, and then it fell to godden and <laughs> shot took a deflection went in and then did his celebration like you said earlier matt with a wry smile on because uh I mean, from my angle, I, I I don't know whether he'd like totally just deceive the goalkeeper, and then you watch it back and you go, "How he's got the audacity to to celebrate that is is beyond me." But but it went in, and then we could have made it four. Uh, Hadji had another chance to knee a superb block, um, denying him a second, which would have been superb. But all in all, uh, a fantastic, a fantastic win, clean sheet, um, and. Yeah, I'll get I'll get a a, a couple of ma- man of the matches. I'll start with you, Matt. You know who who stood out for you from from the game. Um, yeah, I think one of the things you said to quickly touch on. You know, everybody looked good, but everybody looked like they potentially could improve, which is actually one of the most positive things from the day because you look at everybody there and you say there's more to come from right. I think uh, as Ross touched on earlier, Van Uwick, um, his positioning was was good from a defensive point of view. He was always there from an attacking point of view, just when he gets that license or that confidence to go forward a bit more, but he was really good. Really give a shout out to Eccles for the job that he did coming in. And obviously a lot of pressure taken over from 
um, a position that, that obviously Hame has done so well for is even just going into that centre midfield if he's not expected to do the same job. There's there's obviously going to be comparisons and he did it really well. I think Dino made the point of you know how vocal he was and and and, and really put himself about there, which is a really promising thing to see. But for a man of match, I'll I'll go Ben Sheaf. Um, he just he just did Ben Sheaf things as as well as you know we we'll ever really see them. Is he's tackling his um, retention of the ball, using it the right way. That little opportunity we had at the end with that interplay between him and him and Hadji Wright to kind of set that up was was fantastic, and it shows what he can offer going forward as well. Um, so yeah, for me, this is one of the best performances in a in a Kov shirt, and obviously massively important because we're going to need people to step up in that area of the pitch now so um so I, I would give him the nod yeah no i i i personally 100 agree and i think everything you said that's the exciting thing that this team feels like they've all got several gears to go up and and, and ross who 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 do you give your man of the match to um i'm actually gonna give on someone else i'm gonna give on to josh eccles i thought josh, josh eccles was actually outstanding yesterday i actually think he was involved in a lot of good things that we we did and his actual the tempo that we played at and one thing that you've got to remember is is he's basically gone into Hamer's position so although everyone knows he's not that player he's got to have a lot of bollocks basically to go in there and try and play as in a in a similar way to how Hamer would which requires getting on the ball if we're being totally honest and yesterday he could have shied away he could have just tried to do his job sit next to Sheaf and you know, do do what he needed to do. But he every time he was just showing for the ball, getting on the half turn, doing one twos, trying to link up play, trying to get it forward to the strikers. He we all know he can he can make a tackle and he's not afraid to make a tackle. There was a lot of things really yesterday that Chief really impressed me with. That Chief sorry, Eccles impressed me with yesterday. Um, and for me, I actually, I'm actually going to give him the man of the match. And I just think, like, like we all said a minute ago, I think another thing speaking on Hadji Wright's goal that impressed me is we've never been good at corners, like ever. And yesterday it struck me that we've scored two in two from corners now because we obviously scored away at Leicester with, with when Hamer crossed it to McFadston. And then yesterday Palmer crossed it and the Hadji Wright goal come. And I've noticed that, our players are all making like different runs and stuff now when we're in the box. So instead of it being very like zonal, I noticed that Godden made a run to the near post. Bobby Thomas was like in the goal and then other players were. So it feels like we've done a lot of a bit of work on set pieces. And I think this could be something we actually see a lot more of this year because of the calibre of players that we've recruited. We've not really, bar Sakamoto and... De Silva, the rest of our players are pretty, pretty big guys that we've brought in, aren't they? So I think that could be something that we uh, we can watch out for as the season goes on. Is set pieces is maybe something Robbins, Luton were very good at it and look where it got them. So maybe it's something Robbins realises that we need to probably add into our game and with it being a tougher division this year and trying to have different weapons and one of them being good from from corners and free kicks and set pieces so that's going to be an interesting one to watch is we've never really been a threat from those sort of things for for pretty much my whole life of being a cop fan I've never seen a team be be a threat from corners so to score two and two from corners is quite a good good sign of things to come you're listening to sky blues extra so next up for the Sky Blues is a trip to Swansea City. Um, and Matt, you know, Swansea, they've had quite a lot of 
changes over the summer. Um, lost the manager, Russell Martin. Uh, brought in Michael Duff. <laughs> Barnsley fans, I'm sure, are delighted with the amount of players and that they're losing. Um, and obviously, if you know, we may well be in for another one or possibly even two of their players. Um, what have you made of Swansea? They're to me a bit of an unknown entity, obviously with the change of manager. But what what can we expect? And yeah, what are your thoughts going into that game uh, next week? Yeah, I think they're a team that are going to need some time. To be honest with you, you know they've lost their manager. Um, it's probably going to be a toss up in the next few weeks who Barnsley Barnsley fans hate more than out of us or Swansea, considering you know what we're we're, we're lining up to do in the transfer market because obviously. Um, he he's done a really good job for Barnsley last season and comes with a decent reputation. But Swansea fans are obviously um, they would they were obviously quite hopeful in what they had in Russell Martin. So he's got big shoes to fill and he's got very much his own philosophy and what he wants to do. So they've lost a lot of players in the summer. I think they lost fifteen, um, brought in a good number themselves, nine, um, which included Jerry Yates as probably the most you know, high profile or, or biggest money transfer that they made. Obviously, they've just recently signed Charlie Patino on loan from Arsenal as well. So there's a lot of change there. And I just think Swansea fans are obviously going to have to be patient in terms of what they can expect in the early part of the season because they've got a lot to bed in um, from a player perspective and a new philosophy. So I don't think it's the worst time to play them, to be honest with you. You know, it's not a ground that we've had great experiences of going to in the past but it's probably not the worst time to play them whilst they still get to get used to life with this essentially new squad and and, and obviously a new manager as well and i i agree i agree with that i think it's because russell martin had a very definitive distinct way of playing um which is why also i think it's gonna take southampton you know on a different note time to get up to you know how he wants them to play but they also, I'm not sure if it had been confirmed, but they were also linked with that Humphreys, you know, from Chelsea. Has that, do you know if that, has that happened, that deal? Or is that, you know, because we were linked with him as well, weren't we? I mean, I don't know how serious and, you know, concrete those rumours were, you know, obviously it's their whole... It's gone quiet again over, after the last couple of days. It seemed pretty much nailed on because I know, obviously, the, the conversation seemed to have been that Chelsea were going to retain him, but were obviously very much looking to move him out on loan and I was quite hopeful by that news thought it was something that we would be involved in and and then when you see Swansea have come in you know it looked like that must have meant it was fairly developed so it seems to have gone quiet the last couple of days and um, they've moved to bring Patino which I know is in a, in a different position but it looks like their focus maybe is, is shifted so be interested to see what happens with that one because he's you know he's an exciting prospect and you know they can certainly do with with the help to be honest with you so we'll have to see what happens there but yeah they're obviously still working on the the final touches for their squad they certainly don't feel like they're a finished prospect and for us again probably isn't the worst time to play them yeah so we're interested to see what business um yeah swansea do between now and when they uh, obviously we play them on the weekend uh joel latibodier we've his first time going back so hopefully he can have a an impressive performance for us um Ross, obviously, this next week for us as well could well bring some more transfer business in terms of incomings. You know, Robbins, obviously, with the confirmation that Hamer's gone, it's gone from being two more to three or four more. Um, what would you like to see us do, um, you know, in the remaining remainder of the transfer window 
but it sounds like Robbins really wants to to get them in a, as soon as possible. So, so what positions? Um, what 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 is your you know your your grandma's umbrellas second cousin's daughter? Cat uh, said about who we might be after. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to see the four maximised. If I'm honest, um, I think three of them being permanent as well. Um, I think I'd like to see um, obviously Liam Kitchen. I've been a fan of him for a while, and obviously that kind of that died down. And I thought, well, maybe it won't happen. But I also like the fact that we'd have a core of Collins, Thomas and Kitchen who were all at Barnsley with each other last year. And I also think this will then have an impact on Kitchen because I know that Thomas and him were quite good mates and Thomas looks quite at home so far. So I think obviously if he knows there's going to be a bid put in, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be some form of persuasion from <laughs> from Thomas's side to get him across the line. And again, he's, he's another leader and he is a very, very good player. And if you look at what Barnsley says, He's, he's the real deal and he's still quite young, I think, as well. So I'd like to see him him get wrapped up. I know we've been linked with his styles, haven't we, as well? I think he was at Millwall last year or something like that, or he, he's at Barnsley now anyway, and he's he's a decent player. And I think I think Robbins has actually admired him quite a Yeah, he has. He, he's a box-to-box. He can play a few positions. I remember when he was when Barnsley were last in the championship, yeah, Robbins yeah. Right, you know, really raved about him because he is he's got his energy. You know, he he could play that's at the bit. top of the box. You know, that's what Robbins wants, doesn't he? He wants that work rate off the ball. Yeah, he likes he likes that, doesn't he? And it's um that's an interesting one. And then one from my nan's cat's dogs, uncle's umbrellas. <laughs> um, one is that I've seen floating around is a, a a a guy called Evander. He's one for fans to look at. He's quite an interesting one, actually. He's uh, he's Brazilian, so Brazil for Brazil like. Um, I don't know if there's any truth to it at all. I've just seen it floating around, but I did a bit of research earlier on. He's probably going to cost us quite a bit of money. He currently plays in the MLS for Porto Lando, I think it is. They're called or something like that, or Portland, I think. Portland Timbers, yeah. Portland Tim as he plays for them at the moment. Yeah, I think he's about 25, so not similar age to Hamer. His his net worth is currently, I think it was either eight or nine million euros. So obviously he could be one really that we might chuck quite a bit of quite a bit of money at potentially. So we there will there there will be plans. And like we've said, plan A was always keep Hamer and probably get one or two more in, wasn't it? But I think plan B is obviously now unfolded. Hamer gone, sheet folded, and now it's right. Here's the four. I think Robin said to Neil, <laughs> Doug's not going to be happy with me, but Doug will now know the score that he's now got rid of Hamer. He's not going to go, oh, well, I can't give you X, Y, and Z. He's not like that. He's not stupid. He knows we've lost an asset and how big it is. He even said it on Sky yesterday. We wanted to keep Gus. He said, Gus knows. He said, and it wasn't something we... He said, we always knew it was a possibility, but the longer it went on, the more we were basically hopeful as a club we were going to keep him. But he now knows he'll need to reinvest that money. So I think we can expect some quick movement and we've shown we're quite shrewd with our business. So I expect us to... uh, to act like sharks over the next week to try and get some to get some business wrapped up and I'm hoping to see even if it's maybe kitchen and styles to start with just those two to come in will be a big yeah. big bolster and then the others can commence afterwards yeah I'd like I'd like those maybe the two centre mids a centre back and I've still said a lone striker would be nice yeah. as well so we can get Tavares back out on loan as well once he's back so yeah, well, Robbins had alluded, didn't he? He wanted another forward player. Someone can play across the front and potentially give us an actual option to have a plan B and potentially revert back to the formation that he started, the League One winner season maybe, which was the 4-3-3. He's also yeah. like the 4-2-3-1 in the past. So we'll have to wait and see, but it is certainly exciting times. I will get 
quickly before we finish, um, some predictions from you both. I'll start with you, Ross. Uh, what's your prediction for the Swansea game? Speaking of Swansea, I've got PTSD from that ground. I think it was like Matt said earlier on, we never do well. I mean, we should have won there last year, but I'm glad we're getting this one out of the way early. Um, to be honest with you, I want to I want to be positive, but I'm going to put it into perspective. I think it could be a draw. I'm going to go with a one-one. I think, and I'll be happy with the point there. If we take the point from there and move on. I'll be I'll be happy with that going into Sunderland at home the week after. So yeah, one-one for me. And Matt, what 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 are you going for? Yeah, I'm going to double up on that. One one-one for me. Um, you know, I think we're in a better position than them. I think there's every possibility that we can go there and win, but it's it's a it's a decent old way to go it's not a ground that's done too well for us i don't think any of us would be too um too gutted to see us leave with a point so yeah I, and, and i think we will I, i'm gonna go for one one as well lovely one one all it is so we'll have to wait and see thank you chaps for joining me that's all we've got time for uh on this episode of the skybiz extra podcast uh listeners as always, thank you for your support. Make sure uh, you check out Dylan's Brewery and the Sky Blue Tavern, who we're proudly sponsored by here on the podcast. Uh, and make sure you, uh, you listen and share with all your friends and subscribe on YouTube as well. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out our preview season preview podcast, which is able to listen to and watch if you want to see uh, Dino's beautiful face um, on your laptop screen. Um, that's all we've got time for. Thank you, chaps. And, uh, play with sky blues and make sure you follow us at sbe podcast thanks for listening to the sky blues extra podcast away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.